All right. Good morning. Good morning. Freezing cold morning, but this is a pretty good turnout for it being seven degrees outside. And uh, it's great to see. It was uh, also great to see all of you who came out this past Wednesday. We had a really nice turnout for our prayer time in the dining room. And uh, yeah, it was great. I just wanted to say thanks because it's the start of a new year. And what a great way to start the year. To me, it's just like, it's part of being a successful church that we would come together and we would pray. And we've talked about uh, the past couple of Sundays, what it means to be a successful church. We've touched on it. Uh, it's described in God's word, and that's really where we want to go to be a successful church. We don't want the, the success that's the man-made success or the success that the world looks for. Uh, so what did we do? We looked, to, uh, we looked to the beginning of the church. We looked at uh, what's recorded in the book of Acts and uh, talked about how that is our model to be a church that will succeed. And last week we talked about some churches, big churches, that have strayed from the foundation of God's word. And that's continuing. Unfortunately, it's continuing. But to be successful, we have to be unwavering. We have to be fully committed to the word of God. So that's our commitment here because uh, we've seen it all too often. Churches that waver, have wavered in their commitment to God's word, where they have eh, taken God's word and said, I'll erase that page. I'll kind of write in my own uh, version of what it should be. What's happened? They've suffered. They've splintered. These, th- this has caused whole churches to be in that valley of decision. Entire churches where uh, people have to decide, am I going to stay here because... I'm seeing what's happening uh, in the leadership. Talk about a giant. The giant of the culture has invaded some of these uh, churches. And, of course, it's it's caused splints and splinters. And what happens when a a group splits, Uh, especially a church? A church splits or splinters. What often happens is a new entity forms. And sometimes because leadership has failed, the new entity, well, they don't want that. They kind of, you know, they want to go down a road of, let's be unstructured. Let's not have this formal leadership or hierarchy. Let's go back to the way the church was. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to the book of Acts. There was no formal organization. There was no leadership. It was everyone together. They were sharing. They were rejoicing. It was this awesome movement of God. It was this organic gathering. We were sharing. We were praying. They were worshiping. It was the farthest thing from this organized structure that has failed us. And you know that's why we left the organized church in the first place. This is what... Uh, is happening sometimes when a church falls apart. And people there are like, I don't want to be part of anything that's this organized church. And well, there's, many, there's many expressions of this too, this idea of what it 
what it means to be involved in a movement and to not have an organization. Well, there's no place to gather. Maybe we'll gather in a warehouse one week. We'll go to a park or a pavilion the next week or uh, house to house. Or it's just online church. And a decade ago, online church was really just, it was gaining some, some momentum. Many churches have added live streaming to their, to their ministries. But we know the pandemic, it really helped to firmly ensconce some ministries to be completely digital, fully and completely online. And, you know, they say, well, everyone can participate. Everyone can comment. They can share in the, the chat space online. And we don't get bogged down in all the rules and the regulations of, you know, what a church has, and, and especially in your brick-and-mortar places. And we don't have to keep that up. And, and, and I know, too, don't get me wrong, we have an online presence. We live stream our services. We were doing that uh, be, before COVID. And on a day like today, it's certainly a blessing to people who struggle to get outside when it's seven degrees. Absolutely. It's great for anyone who can't make it on a day like today. It's great for those who are shut in because of health reasons or other reasons, and they can't be here. Yes, it's a blessing. Online's great for that. But some have gone to completely online. Some churches and, and even some people who could be in the house, they have gone to well, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Online's great because, well, I, I don't have to be bogged down with all that churchy stuff and uh, all that organization. And is it good to opt out completely? Is, is opting out from gathering together a good thing? Is opting out from yielding oneself to the authority of the church and leadership. Is that a good thing? Well, the book of Acts does shed some light on it. And we should check it out. Is, is that the way it was? Was it church just like this big organic movement? No leadership, no, no organization? Well, you don't have to really look too far into the book of Acts to find, well, the apostles were leading. Issues arose that, well, it, it required the establishment of deacons. And we need some help here. We need to put some people in places to help. And there were moral lapses. The uh, example of Ananias and Sapphira. Well, that had to be dealt with by an apostle. And there are references to elders who had meetings to discuss what was happening in the church. And they made decisions about the church. The church kept track of numbers of people who were being baptized. You can read that in the book of Acts. 5,000, 3,000 were added to the fellowship. A guy named James, he rose up to be the chief elder in the church in Jerusalem. It began to be called the church in Jerusalem. Well, uh, why is that? Well, there were distinctions now being made in this universal church, the church started, we, can, we, we refer to it sometimes as the capital C church, the universal church, the church of Jesus Christ, but distinctions began to be made. Well, there's a church in Jerusalem. Why were these distinctions made? Well, there was other churches being formed in different areas. You read in the book of Acts about the city of Antioch. Acts chapter 15, it records that the apostles and elders 
with the whole church, they decided to choose some from among the brethren. And what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. They sought the Holy Spirit. Then they set apart Paul and Barnabas. And they said, okay, you guys go. We're sending you out to establish more churches to minister and such. And so then churches were formed across the province of Asia and into Europe and as far away as Rome. And then when you get to the end of the book of Acts, there's churches in many cities. Elders have been established to lead these churches. We read Acts chapter 20. Getting close to the end of uh, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 and 28. It says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So a church had been established. Leadership had been established. The elders were leading in Ephesus. And verse 28 says, keep watch over yourselves. This is Paul to, to these elders that he had sent for. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Beyond the book of Acts, then, you get into the rest of the New Testament and all the epistles, all the letters from the apostles. They were circulated to advise the churches, to help the churches help them with spiritual operation, to help them with practical operation. And there are many, many examples. I give you one from Paul's letter to Timothy, his first letter. Uh, I wanna read chapter five, verses 17 through 21. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. I don't know if that sounds like some organic, unstructured movement to you, but to me, it sounds like the church was pretty organized through the book of Acts and and the letters in the New Testament. We see leadership. We see operation. We see uh, membership, a discipline of members and leaders. This is what Paul is writing about in First Timothy. Uh, paying wages to those who are uh, committed and fully sold out to, to the ministry. So what began as the organizing and the structuring of the church in Jerusalem, it's now expanded as you get into the New Testament. It's expanded to many cities and towns, great number of individual churches. We Say they're local churches. That's how uh, we identify them. Those uh, local churches, they were interconnected though. They were interconnected by their common bond, their faith in Jesus Christ. And together they formed the whole church, the universal church. But they weren't some loosely defined group. They weren't like some, you know, hobby club where people go out and 
whatever. They, they fly their drones, you know. It's not like a drone club where you, you know, you can just like, oh, I don't like this club. I'll go to the next one and nobody's in charge. I can come and go on my own whim. No, no, the New Testament church was not some unstructured uh, movement. The churches were structured. They were organized. They were built on a framework, and it was a solid framework. They were, uh, there, there was order, there was hierarchy of leadership, and none of that is bad. None of it's bad. I know people say, I don't want nothing to do with organized religion. This is the word of God, and it lays down an organized church. It's not bad, and it's not surprising It isn't surprising. It's not surprising because we have the words of Jesus, the establisher of the church. And what did Jesus say? I will build my church. Jesus once asked his friend Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And how did Jesus respond back? Let's just look at it. It's Matthew chapter 16. Verses 17 and 18, Jesus, coming back after Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When Peter proclaimed this, he made this this proclamation of faith. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus, in essence, he's saying, Peter, this is foundational. This is the rock profession of faith in Christ. And and Jesus said, I'm going to build on that. I'm going to build my church. What image is there? Jesus gave this image of building building on a rock. They didn't say, hey, Peter, I'm gonna start some scattered movement that's just gonna be random and organic and we'll see how it goes. No, he said, I'm going to build my church. If you're gonna build something, typically you start with a plan. There is a plan and then there's something that's gonna come from that plan and it's gonna be formed and it's gonna take shape. I was visiting my three-year-old grandkids the other day, and I saw something new in the corner of the family room. There's this pile of blocks. And I went over and I said, hey, you got some new blocks? And one of my granddaughters, three years old, comes over and says, no, Grandpa, these aren't blocks. I said, okay, what are they? Well, they're Legos. Okay, I got schooled right there. And there was a pile of them. But next to the pile, there was a structure. And she said, I'm building a tower. Well, I said, well, where's the tower? Show me. The... Well, I knew, what the... I knew where the tower was. But she showed me, oh, this is my tower. And it was getting pretty tall. And she started plucking more of these Legos on top. A three-year-old, a child, understood the difference between chaos, disorganized, a bunch of blocks, 
sorry, Legos, just laying there. And a thing called a tower. She was building. Yeah, this is the image. This is the image of Jesus saying, I'll build my church. This isn't something random or scattered. In a parable, Jesus talked about a cornerstone. He was referring to himself. The chief cornerstone was part of a structure. And he said he would build. And his church is founded on a foundation. It's founded on those who confess their faith in Christ. And on that foundation, the church was organized and it took shape. Christ, the rock, beneath and, and holding up the confessors of faith. And Christ also, the head of the church. So everything exists under his sovereignty and authority and that's the church that's the church built by christ and that's just one image that is one image of the church that's organized and structured and there are many others there are many others in the new testament about a structured church another example another image a kingdom jesus talked about a kingdom what's a kingdom have kingdom has citizens It's anything but unstructured. A kingdom has a king. A king leads. A king typically sets up some kind of council and they uh, put governors in charge of certain areas and managers over certain things while they're organized. Another example, sheep in a flock. And we heard about this king earlier, King David. The Lord selected him. He was a shepherd. He wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The sheep flock image runs throughout the entirety of the Bible because sheep don't wander aimlessly in this image. No, they're part of a flock where there's a leader called the shepherd who leads and guides and directs and protects. There's another example, a body, a body with members. Bodies aren't disorganized. They are organized. They have many, many parts. I have fingers and toes. They do different things. Some parts are, well, they're made to lead. Other parts are less prominent. But they're all necessary for the entire body to function. And they're organized under one head. Another example, another image, a family with children. This is an image in the New Testament. God is the father. We are his children, a family with children. Well, a family that is a biblical image of a family is parents that have authority over their children. And the children are taught under those parents and they they follow the leadership as parents lead and, and children yield to that authority of their parents. Now, these, these images hold deep meaning. And they show that the church is not some informal group. This is, we don't just ebb and flow on how we feel. This isn't uh, some club that gathers at the park every Saturday and well, I'm just going to go down to the next uh, club. It's got no dues. I don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. No, the writers of the New Testament, they were specific in their imagery. The church 
the building, that's Jesus' image, a kingdom, a flock, a body, a family. Peter writes about the building later in his letter. He said, each of us is part of the building. We're like living stones. And he talked about forming the church. And we're like living stones. You ever have a building where your stones get up and leave and walk away? They just move on to the next building? A citizen in a kingdom, citizenship is something that's important. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about his Roman citizenship. And he holds it pretty near and dear. And he uses his citizenship to his advantage at times. Typically, people don't just renounce their citizenship on you know, some whim. You know, I, we are in another election year. And you know what? It doesn't matter what election year it, it is. It doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on or who you're for. But I know I've heard many, many times, many, many elections. Well, if that person gets elected, I'm going to Canada. I'm leaving. How many people do you know that actually renounced their citizenship because of an election? Yeah, they, they do this about it. But citizenship is important. Uh, here in, in our country, we have a great country. Giving that up is you know, something you'd really, really take uh, time to consider and not just throw it away. Oh, well, that got elected. I'm going to Canada. Well, what happens in Canada and somebody gets elected? Where are you going? Right? It's it just, it, it's, it's not how citizenship is treated. Same with citizenship in the church. A sheep, a sheep belongs to a flock, and they're under the protection of the shepherd. Now, if they begin to wander, it's the shepherd tries to keep them in the flock. But if a sheep were to just wander unprotected, they'd be lost, and it wouldn't go well for them. Think of the image of a body. Our fingers just don't walk over to a new body. I know sometimes we might want that. Oh, gee, it'd be no, I'd, I'd love to go back to a 20-year-old body. Yeah, but my head just can't do that. It'd be great. It might feel good, but members of the body just don't separate and graft onto another body. Sometimes uh, children think this way. They'd, oh, if I... If you, were, if you were in a house where you were disciplined by mom and dad, I bet you had a day. I know I had days like, oh, I'm gonna run away. I need new parents. But typically, too, those were just threats that were never really backed up by any real action. Yeah, we have those days of complaints, but kids just can't move to a new family. These are the images of the New Testament. And we could add more. There's, there's images of a tree, a tree with a root and branches. And like, trees just don't swap branches out. These are images of structure. They're images of order. They give significance about belonging to an organization called the church. And you're part of it. You're part of it. You are like a stone in a building, you're a citizen in a kingdom. You're a, 
a sheep in the flock. You are a member of the body, a child in the family. This, th- these are images of connection, lasting connection. And that's a, 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 a fabulous blessing to be connected and have community. And we're going to have community after our service this morning. To be in a part of this, there's immense blessing. And to be a... To be a receiver of those blessings, you have to be part. You've got to be connected. And not just roaming around from, ah, this church, that church, I don't like this. They, um, they, uh, the pastor offended me in that sermon. I'm out of here. The blessings are few for those who are disconnected, for those who are marginally connected, for those who are unwilling to submit to pastors and elders of a church those who are reluctant to make a commitment to be part of a body. The blessings are few, but for those committed, the blessings are great. I I want to just hit on some blessings of being part of what we call the organized church, the, the church of Jesus Christ. One is support. You get some support when you commit, when you commit to a group, when you commit to the the church. You've got a great advantage. You have community support. You're part of a body. You're part of a family. You you can go to the, the body to be encouraged when you need it, to be uplifted. You can have burdens shared. I've seen it so many times. I've heard so many of the testimonies of so many of you if you lose a loved one, the church supports, the church helps. If you fall on hard times, I know someone recently who had been out of a job and told me, oh, I am so grateful. Things came into my, into my mailbox totally anonymously. Funds, because the body knew someone was without a job. You suffer loss. I know recently my own family, because we suffered loss, so so much love, so much support. And we learn from that too. Maybe there's times where we have not really realized it until we're in that place. And even if it's just one person who reaches out to help, to support, to show love, wow, okay. I get it, I'm reminded, that's part of what now I do as a member of the body. It's it's a great blessing to have the support and the care and the love of so many around. And it's such a shame to see it when someone doesn't have that, especially when they're dealing with loss. Another blessing, just coming together to worship God. Our, Our corporate worship, belonging to a church gives us this great opportunity to join together in unity to honor Jesus Christ and to praise him together. That's, why is that important? Psalm number 22 speaks of the Lord residing on the praises of his people, the presence of God being among his people as they worship and praise together. Psalm 150 encourages us to just praise the Lord, praise God. How does it begin? Praise God in his sanctuary. We come together in the sanctuary to praise God. 
and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That psalm just encourages, you know, with the stringed instruments, the cymbals, the trumpets, everything, together. You're not gonna have the band, you're not gonna have the cymbals and the stringed instruments together, unless we are together. Another blessing, accountability. The church is a community where we're blessed with this idea of accountability. If you're venturing away or you're, uh, maybe you're in that valley of decision or you got this giant in your life that's, that's confronted you. Well, if you're anonymous, if you're out there on your own, who's gonna help you? Who's gonna pull you back? Who's gonna say, hey, I think you're straying away here. How will anybody be able to do what it says in Galatians chapter six, to restore a person gently if you're all alone? You gotta tie in and become known, and when you're known to others, they'll keep you accountable. Church also offers a place to serve. And that's a great thing, because when you serve, it takes the focus off yourself. There is... There's blessing when you take the focus off yourself, you're blessing others, and you get fulfillment out of that. It's a great thing. You you receive a blessing of purpose and fulfillment as you bless others. And you might say, well, gee, I'm using my gifts elsewhere. I got great gifts God's given me, and I'm I'm over here, I'm, I'm volunteering with this organization, and that's great, that's okay. When you're under the umbrella of the church, uh, you know, whether you're serving inside the church or whether you are outside, and we have plenty of outside ministries where maybe it's uh, at at the Macomb County Jail, maybe it's in a nursing home. Well, when you're under the the umbrella of the church, you have the sanction of of the church. You can avail yourself to uh, consistent training, instruction, prayer, Hey, I'm going to the jail tonight. Can you pray for me? That helps you to advance your own spiritual formation as you witness for Jesus. And maybe you need some, just some, you know, encouragement. Like, ah, I'm I'm, I'm going to the nursing home tonight. I'm going down to the Detroit Rescue Mission. Pray for me that I'll be able to be a great witness for Christ. You know, you're placed under that prayer support and that encouragement and that counsel when you need it. Church is also a place to receive the sacraments. The church is the keeper of the sacraments. And again, we can read about this in the New Testament. It's a blessing to see, see one baptized. And we've been seeing that, and we saw that last week. Someone gives a public declaration of their faith. The whole church rejoices. I love it. I love it hearing when someone's baptized. And that minister says, amen, and they pull him out of the water. And everybody's just like, yes, yes. That's a blessing. And it's a blessing to sit down and share the Lord's Supper together and proclaim what he has done, the Lord's death until he comes again, what he's done for us. And the church solemnizes weddings too, marriages. One man, one woman. And, and you're not going to get these things from, you know, total online ministry, some, some movement that just shifts and doesn't have any real hierarchy or authority. 
Who's handling those sacraments? Who's, who's praying over your sick in the hospital? Who's coming to, to, to stand over a, a man and a woman and take vows before a public gathering and say, what God has brought together, let no man put asunder. Another blessing, and, and it's learning and it's growing and it's learning and growing under leadership. And I could keep going. This is not an exhaustive list, and I'm sure you could add to it, but this is my final point, just learning and growing under leadership. And, and the preaching of the church, the teaching of the church, make it your primary source for spiritual formation. But it's a place where you can be fed with consistency. And it's not, all, it's not someone seeing this over here and getting contradicted by someone over there on their podcast. And again, it's not wrong to listen to others. No, you can learn from others. But let's make your church your primary source, or at least if you hear something that's, well, I don't really, well, I listen to this podcast. You can reach out. Hey, is this what we believe here or ask questions? That's okay. But be under consistent leadership and training uh, from the church so that you learn and you grow and you're encouraged and your faith, when your faith is challenged, you'll be able to, you'll be able to confront that challenge. Now, this is the teaching and the preaching under leadership because leaders are the gatekeepers. We have to be gatekeepers of what comes in and what, what, you know, what we share and teach. And again, last week, we, we talked about what, what some churches have allowed in that have completely split those places. We're gatekeepers. Leaders are the gatekeepers. They oversee the flock of God and are accountable to God, which is an awesome, in the full sense of the word, responsibility. Paul was a leader. He was a leader and he set in place leaders. I'll give you an example of one. It was his friend Titus. Titus was with Paul for a long time. And Paul referred to Titus as his partner. He said, he's my partner. And he set him into leadership. Paul set Titus into leadership. He put him in, he put him in Corinth where he helped he was in Jerusalem with Paul. And then Titus went to, uh, he went to Dalmatia, which is modern-day Croatia, on the other side of the sea from, from Italy. And then Paul had Titus working on Crete. And he wrote Titus a letter, and he said, hey, Titus, the reason I left you there in Crete, so evidently he was there with him, and he left him. Like, Titus, I'm leaving you here. And the, re the reason I'm, I'm leaving you here is so that you can put in order. There's that word again. Put it in order. Make a structure. What was left unfinished. And what was that? He said, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Elders, leaders. And why was that? Paul said, for the, the elders to encourage others by sound doctrine. Consistency under the, under the church. Proper doctrine under the church. And he said, to refute those who oppose sound doctrine. This is, this is the blessing of being under leaders who take those things to heart. It's part of the order of the church. 
that leaders would be established to preach and teach sound doctrine, not, not just uh, you know, some ministry where anybody can take over at any time. And this was so that the, the, the church would be uh, attentive to their leaders, that you know, there would be, there would be a, a flock attentive to the shepherd and not going off to seek what they want to hear not just saying, well, today it was good here, but I'm going somewhere else because that wasn't the best. Or the Bible says, going off to get what your itching ears would want to hear. Having sound leaders who stick with the truth without wavering, that's a blessing to keep that from happening. And now this morning, we're gonna close our service operating like the early church. Not a chaotic movement, not some unstructured, just like flow, but we're following the example that was set down in the New Testament, the example of Paul who said, Titus, put the elders in place. And this morning we're gonna close our service putting some elders in place. These are overseers to, that serve Jesus in his church. And I want to invite them right here to our center altar right now. And uh, these are who we're uh, putting in place as elders this morning. John and Fran Masters and Michael and Belinda Spencer. Each of these individuals, they've been examined according to the word of God. The word of God that says this. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3. And it says, here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Must not be a recent convert or may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so they will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now these individuals before you have served faithfully in this local church and they've served the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully for many years. They have shown their faithfulness in the office of deacon, and, and they've shown that they've continued to meet these qualifications that we've just read. And this morning, it's our privilege to set them apart as elders, to continue in their service to this local body. And we're gonna pray over them. We're gonna pray a prayer of consecration for the work to which they've been called. 
An elder at Bethesda Christian Church is responsible for knowing and applying the word of God in their own lives as well as instilling these truths in the lives of others. An elder is able to pray for others. They hold confidence in matters that are brought to them privately. And they endeavor to make this local church as pleasing and as acceptable as it can be to the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul, he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. And so I want to say to our elders coming on board this morning, may you remember Jesus Christ. Remember him to who to whom you have confessed as your Lord and your Savior who has called you to himself and now he establishes you as elders here at this local church. So, by the authority of the word of God and the ministerial leadership of this body, I present you with this charge. Remember, you belong to Jesus. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, make your ministry an offering to him. Remember Jesus and his word. Continue to take his word in and let it dwell in your heart. His are the words of eternal life. And they've transformed your lives. And they will transform the lives of your hearers. Make redemption of souls your first priority. Remember Jesus who went about doing good and did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. There's much good to be done in every day God has ordained for you from this moment on. If you're willing to serve without being concerned over who gets the credit. Remember Jesus, who loved people, all kinds of people. He loved them with the unfailing love of his Father. He came not to condemn them, but to love them and to save them through him. Save the world through him. Therefore, show no one favoritism and see the possibilities in every single person as you endeavor to guide them to walk with Christ. And remember Jesus, who had perfect faith in God as expressed through uh, the disciplined prayer and knowing God's word. Your effectiveness will depend upon the way you draw upon those divine resources, prayer and the word. Remember Jesus, who loved the church and gave himself for it. It is he who has said, I will build my church. Submit always to be used by him to carry out his purpose in the building of his church. For the church is the living and the visible body of Christ in the world today. So John Masters, Fran Masters, Belinda Spencer, Michael Spencer, 
Do you receive this charge today? Do you promise, do you promise to remember all these things, to be faithful to them, to, will, to willingly submit yourself to the spiritual authority of Bethesda Christian Church in all matters of personal conduct, doctrine, discipline, be faithful in attendance to worship services and support the mission of this local church and maintain the spiritual harmony with this fellowship and together walk in the light as he, our Lord, is the light. Do you agree to that? Wonderful. I'm gonna invite our other ministers and elders to the altar now to pray a prayer of consecration over these. And I'd, I'd just invite you all to stand and join us in prayer uh, for this important moment. And if you're able to kneel, I invite you to kneel. Now let's pray. Lord, as hands are laid on these faithful servants of yours, faithful to deaconship, faithful to service, Lord, we ask and pray that you consecrate them in this office of elder and that you would be their guide that they would ever look to you in your word for guidance, for direction. God, as leaders, as those who are looked up to, as elders in the faith who will pray the prayer of faith, who will lay their hands on others. God, we pray the power of the living Holy Spirit to move in them right now, to establish them in this office, God, that you, by the power of the living Holy Spirit, would do this. God, we are not doing this by any man's decision. We're following the lead of the Holy Spirit to set these in place in this office that you have ordained the office of elder, that you have spoken and you have decided to be part of what you say is your church. And God, I pray that you would use them, use them in the building of the church, use them in the maintaining of the body, use them in uh, being examples of the family of God. And God, as they move forward, you be the, be the power behind them, be the rock beneath them, use them. Lord, and keep them faithful. May your hand rest upon them. May the fire of the Holy Spirit be within them. May they have wise and uh, good counsel to any and all who would come to them. Lord, may they serve you and the people of this local church with faithfulness and commitment from this day forward. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for establishing them. Thank you for all that you've done to maintain your church in this body. And I'll use them, Lord. Use John Masters. Use Fran Masters. Use Michael Spencer. Use Belinda Spencer. As you see fit, as leaders, as those who would handle your word properly and rightly. God, thank you. Thank you. Now keep them, guard them, and we look forward to what you have for them. We appreciate all you do for your church. 
We give them to you right now, God, in the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.